When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another Monday night edition of The Wolverine live here on The Wolverine YouTube channel or in our podcast feed. After the fact, if you are someone listening, uh, not live, uh, we will be discussing uh, our spring game takeaways today. Spring football officially came to an end uh, with the spring game on Saturday, one extra practice on Monday. We'll talk about takeaways from the spring game, some of the other things that we saw and some of the storylines. We'll clean those up from the spring as well. Also, a lot going on right now uh, in the Michigan basketball world. We'll get that into that in the second uh, half of the show or the latter stages of the show, uh, I would say. But uh, really quick before we get into it, I want to talk about our friends over at Vitamin Energy. Uh, we've been doing these reads for a while now, so you guys know all the pertinent details. I've got mine right here. It's a powerful, naturally caffeinated energy shot that nourishes your body with vitamins, supports healthy weight loss, and boosts energy for up to seven-plus hours. Uh, again, use the promo code WolverineBogo at the or at the bottom of the screen. You can see it if you're watching the video edition. Uh, that'd be buy one get one free over at VitaminEnergy.com. So, uh, plenty of benefits in every shot. It's naturally caffeinated. They're gluten free, vegan, and kosher friendly. Zero sugars and artificial flavors. Something for everyone. Like we've always said, immune mood booster, B12, vitamin D, workout plus, sport plus, focus, and more. No jitters, no crash, and it supports gut health. Uh, get all the energy with benefits now. Use the promo code WolverineBogo for your buy one, get one free over at vitaminenergy.com. So with me as always here on a Monday night, Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas, uh, Anthony Broom here, of course. Uh, let's hop right into it with spring football. Uh, it was uh, a 22-21 victory for the Mays team, coached by Mike Hart, who his squad gets to have uh, the spoils, the stakes, if you will. Uh, we're going to go offense, defense for some of the takeaways, but I guess we'll just start with uh, overarching thoughts about the game in general, and, and I'll start with you, Chris. Yeah, you know what? Crisp. I thought there were some turnovers, but not by guys who are going to play the much, if we're being honest. If you look at Leon Franklin and Jack Tuttle, who is battling to be the backup quarterback, at the very at, at the same time, you still want those guys protecting the ball. One of them, he was trying to throw it away. There was a stiff breeze in his face. The ball just didn't make it out to the, uh, the to out of bounds. But uh, that can't happen, and I'm sure that Jim Harbaugh and, and the coaches have told him that. Um, I will say that Benjamin Hall looked impressive, and I can I don't care what anybody says about oh, it's a spring game. You can't tell anything. This is not. Derek Green, as I wrote, running through gaping holes, you know, 15 years ago or however long ago it was that he was here uh, when, when he was the number one running back in the country. And, you know, uh, anybody could have run through those holes. Benjamin Hall has good patience. You can see the vision. Uh, he's a load. Uh, I was impressed. So I think you can see that he has potential to be a really nice back here. So um, other than that, uh, watching the defensive line, some of the guys, Josiah Stewart stood out to me. His first step, you can tell things, right? His first step and his he's relentless. Love that about him. Derek Moore, same thing. Um, I thought Chris Jenkins and Kenneth Grant played well as well. Chris Jenkins wasn't in there very long. And then Jalen Harrell was in there for what? Maybe a series or two, and he was uh, wreaking havoc all over the place. So 
I uh, liked what I saw, uh, and I, I, I believe that there is uh, as much talent in the two deep as we used to see in the 1990s and as much as last year, as we talked about. So uh, I'm encouraged. It's going to be interesting to see what the, how the kicking game shakes out, too. Two things. Tommy Doman had two extra points. I got about 20 feet off the ground, if I'm not mistaken. So that's got to be shored up. But other than that, you know what? It was fun. I thought it was it was enjoyable. Peyton O'Leary, you got to give him credit. People can say whatever they want to about him. Is he going to play or not in the fall? but he certainly showed something out there as well. Yeah, hats off to the Mays team. They are, I think, as we speak right now at the Chop House eating steaks and the rest of the guys eating their hot dogs. So that's kind of the way it goes. They go for two at the end. And, you know, it was a quote-unquote gutsy call by Mike Hart. But as he said afterwards, I mean, it's a spring game. It makes it a lot easier to go for two at the end. So they they go and do that. Um, so good for those guys. Peyton O'Leary, big reason why uh, they were able to do that. But – it was definitely a spring game. I mean, sloppy at times, turnovers. J.J. McCarthy had a terrible throw uh, on one as well. So he wasn't, you know, it's not like he didn't make any mistakes either. But I thought he finished really strong, which was encouraging with the two-minute drill. Uh, and he's playing with backups as well. I mean, the guy he throws his touchdown to is Jake Thaw, um, you know, who's probably not going to see any time, knock on wood, uh, you know, because there are guys in front of him on the depth chart. So a lot of mixing, a lot of matching, a lot of guys out. Uh, that we didn't see, you know, guys like Rod Moore, even that we didn't necessarily expect we're going to sit out. Uh, AJ Henning, um, you know, the both running backs, Blake Gorm, Donovan Edwards, coaching guys up and, and super animated on the sideline. So Jim Harbaugh said at the pep rally before the game that this is the best version of Michigan he's seen since uh, on April 1st, since he's been here in his last eight years. I think he really likes his team. Uh, there's a lot to like. Uh, and, and, you know, it was, it was fun to see football out there as, you know, as mixy matchy type of, you know, thing that it was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a glorified, I mean, it is a scrimmage. It's a glorified playground game, especially with some of the play calls and things like that. Uh, for takeaways from someone who is basically our fourth host on the show, Shane Johnson with a $10 super chat, who says sugar Shane spring recap. The depth is, is historic. Uh, Herbert is the goat. That's Ben Herbert, the strength and conditioning coach who, uh, by the way, new five-year contract for him. Uh, that was signed earlier this spring. Also, three-year deal signed uh, for Sharon Moore and Jesse Minter. We don't need to go through that here. You guys can check out the article for the financials on that over at thewolverine.com. But uh, Shane also says J.J. is stronger, expecting an All-American season from him. A cornerback, uh, CB2 with depth will be fine. And he this, these are the guys he lists as his dudes. Josiah Stewart, Kenneth Grant, uh, Derek Moore, Chris Jenkins, Benjamin Hall, Ernest Hausman. And all three tight ends. Uh, and Shane goes on to say, uh, for another dollar ninety nine, says, and I'm more confident than before the game. See you guys in Houston, which is mm. where uh, this year's national championship game will be played. So Shane calling his shot there early on. Uh, well, he's been on it way earlier than this. But uh, let's go a little bit more into the offense. Uh, we talked a little bit about JJ McCarthy. Uh, played. Uh, the plan was only for him to play a series or two. Uh, that was the plan for a lot of guys. Uh, the starters did not play a ton, but J.J. didn't have a very good start to the game, uh, so they left him out there. He played basically the entire first half. For the Mays team, he was 7 for 10 for 84 yards uh, with the interception that we talked about earlier. And then, uh, you know, the night yeah, – it's actually his play to uh, – the touchdown throw to Jake Thaw was actually his best play of the day. He's rolling out to his left. He's throwing off balance across his body. Uh, about as well-delivered a ball as you could ask for in that situation. So – uh, I thought that J.J. played very well, but of the offensive starters that got in there, there weren't many of them, but 
Um, pretty much a you know normal day at the office for those guys. Did anything stand out from them uh, from that perspective, Chris? No, uh, you know, the ball got away from JJ on the one he's throwing into the wind and, and it has a tendency to sail on you when you're going into the wind like that and you don't uh, throw a tight spiral. So that thing was wonky when it came out of his hand. And I think that was uh, disappointing. But um, at the same time, uh, again, you know, the pass rush was better than it's going to be. Uh, you know, that offensive line was a makeshift line. You had pieces that where uh, guys just weren't doing their jobs and, and JJ wasn't really comfortable back there, as you could tell. But um Overall, yeah, not enough starters to really say, wow, you know, this guy stood out or that guy stood out. I did like A.J. Barner a couple of times in there at tight end. Matt Hibner showed some speed that I didn't know he had on the one catch and run for about 50 yards there. So credit to him as well. So uh, and Jack Tuttle, if if you know what, if he's going to be the backup quarterback, I didn't think Davis Warren played very well, to be honest with you. And if Jack Tuttle is going to be the backup, he had a couple turnovers. Uh, boy, he's decisive when he chooses to run, isn't he? I mean, that's that's one thing. Uh, it's it, I would say it's John O'Corn esque, except that he actually waited until you know he could tell that there were no receivers open before he took off, and then he was decisive about it and picked up some nice yardage that way. So other than that, not a whole lot. So I'm anxious to see you know if the Peyton O'Leary thing is is real he you know what we can talk about again it's just a spring game but he was going against a proposed number one cornerback in a Morian Walker number two and uh, it really skewered him uh, made some nice catches had ran some really nice routes if you go back and watch it uh, it was pretty legit so not saying that he's going to play a lot lot or tear it up in the fall but he had a really nice game and I don't think it's something that we can discount to say that hey he might get some snaps in the in the fall yeah, I mean, he could he be the next uh, Chris Hogan, you know, who was a lacrosse player at Penn State and then goes on and wins Super Bowls with the Patriots. Uh, you know, Peyton O'Leary was originally committed to UMass as a lacrosse player and decides to go the football route, stick it out, earned a scholarship this offseason. So I think they, they value him. And who knows? I mean, it's like in one respect, it's the spring game. In another respect, it's like, well, why aren't other guys doing this, right? Um, you know, and I know he got more opportunity than others. And, you know, guys like Roman Wilson, like Roman only played the second quarter. Cornelius Johnson only played the first quarter, things like that. But, um, you know, at the same time, I don't want to take too much away from this, but I also don't want to totally ignore things either that happen in a game like this. But, JJ, uh, I do have a policy not to uh, not to complain about touchdowns, but – I do wonder why he rolled out on, I mean, maybe it was the pressure was, you know, kind of coming quite a bit. Um, and, and maybe he just kind of bailed and, and thought, well, I don't trust these offensive linemen. Not that he'd say that out loud, but you know, there really wasn't much pressure that I don't know why he bailed out of the pocket, but he threw a touchdown anyway. So I'm not going to totally nitpick that, but yeah, I mean, not much to, to read into on the JJ front. Uh, other guys offensively, I, I agree with Hibner until the turf monster came and got him. Yeah. Uh, at about the 15 yard line on that one but yeah he he looked good it was over the middle it was a nice throw uh by jack tuttle uh, i believe and um you know alex orgy is still an interesting guy to me where does he uh fit um you know he had some really nice runs uh he also uh you know broke one out down the sideline there he also had a couple good passes 41 yarder uh to fred moore uh threw a touchdown pass to aj barner um so you know we'll, we'll see kind of what his role is going to be and you know if they are able to sprinkle him at it at any point but offensive line uh you know it, it's hard to take away anything other than the fact that there are plenty of capable guys especially on the interior the to think that Giovanni Alhadi is probably not going to see much of the field this fall unless some guys go down with injury is pretty unbelievable to think about because I thought he played really well and I thought 
even last year that this is a guy that has a really bright future. He might have to wait till his fourth year. Uh, and that's a really good thing if you're Michigan that you've had that depth and you're developing guys behind the scenes. Uh, but it's also something that's crazy when you think of a guy that talented. But um, yeah, offense is, is kind of harder to thrive, I think, in a situation like that when you split the team than defense, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. But um, you know, overall, I thought there was there was some good, and and they got to clean up some things as well. Yeah, I feel like to to go through the offense, especially in a scrimmage type setting, offensive lines are split up with which don't don't discount that at all. I mean, especially I, I see a couple comments saying that JJ wasn't impressive, quarterbacks weren't impressive. You know, offensive line um, was you know there's so much of that position group is based on chemistry and co- cohesiveness and and having those that those five guys together playing reps and uh, it was just kind of it was kind of piecemeal which is what these games invite so um you know we could go th- I mean we have gone through just about every position group on the website so there are takeaways from each of those so we won't keep you guys all night with that but I do I do want to, to go through the biggest offensive takeaway it was really the two biggest offensive takeaways and we've kind of hit on them briefly here in Peyton O'Leary and Benjamin Hall uh, O'Leary obviously I think it was six catches for 121 yards. Now, more, most of that w- was up against Amorian Walker, which we'll talk about here soon. Uh, but O'Leary, uh, you know, he's got the size of 6'3", the nice catch radius, uh, find ways to get open down the field. Uh, Benjamin Hall had, I think it was 96 yards rushing on the day. Uh, he's another guy that looks the part. Uh, just kind of a, a roundtable discussion here, or, uh, you know, back and forth with the responses on, do we, which of those two performances do we think might be the most, I don't know if most real is the way to call it, but something that might actually be more of a sneak peek for what we might see in the fall. Uh, maybe not this fall with Benjamin Hall, obviously, because right, you look at who you've got. CJ Stokes didn't even play, and he supposedly had a good spring too. So if you look at those two guys, uh, and then you look at Benjamin Hall in a couple of years, I think he's going to be a good back. I really do. And it's not just this pra- this practice, but all spring from what we've been hearing about him. So I'm I'm encouraged about that. Um, and I do think you know Peyton O'Leary is an athlete, guys. He is, and you can see it. You can see in the route running. Um, I do see. Where you know maybe he'll get on the field, um, but uh, overall, I think Benjamin Hall is that guy. So uh, I do also want to say uh, Frederick Moore too impressed me at the nice mm-hmm. over the shoulder catch. And for a true freshman, he's got a man. Somebody give that kid a sandwich, right? But uh, he'll get bigger under Ben Herbert and the over the shoulder catch. His route running, I thought was crisp. Um, these guys. It's funny because we were complaining about a lot of people complaining about the 23 class. We've already gotten a glimpse of, of a few of these guys and they are overplaying their rankings, which really doesn't surprise me given how good this staff is at evaluating talent. And again, just a spring game, but you can, can you can tell guys, right? Amorian Walker had an opportunity, for example, to pick off a pass, even though it wouldn't have counted. He drops it. And, uh, you know, it's like the second or third drop we've seen from him, not ripping on the kid. But then Fred Moore goes out there, boom, makes that catch, runs a great route. So uh, I'm encouraged. I really yeah no doubt i i have basically the same answer this fall i think peyton o'leary has a better chance of making an impact i think he could get in that rotation i, mm-hmm. I want to see more of him but i'm definitely intrigued and then ben hall i think he does have a future you know being a guy that could get some carries down the road but i mean to, to project it this fall i think would be crazy i mean you still have two guys that say they want to split the heisman trophy in half uh, i think the worthy you know if you're going to split a trophy in half, whoever doesn't want to see it destroyed 
deserves it. Uh, I think that's in the Bible. So, um, you know, maybe that's Blake, maybe that's Donovan, but you have those two guys in front of you. You still have Kalel Mullings, who I thought ran decently well uh, in the game. He could have broken one uh, that he didn't, that had a big hole. But beyond that, uh, you know, there's still CJ Stokes, as you mentioned, Chris. I mean, there's still guys in front of him. So I don't expect to see it right away, but I do think, uh, you know, at the very least, it looks like a guy that could contribute down the road. Um, so, yeah, but Peyton O'Leary, uh, man, I mean, I, I don't want to overreact, but I think that there's a chance if he continues to put together good practices that he's going to earn the trust of this coaching staff and they need guys to step up at wide receiver and it might just be him. Yeah, I think obviously of the two, it's O'Leary just because we've heard hype about him going back to last fall camp. I mean, they were calling him Cooper Cup light and things like that. And what does that mean? I mean, is he maybe... I think at best, maybe he's the fourth wide receiver on the team, maybe the fifth wide receiver, uh, a guy that, you know, you talk about wanting to be more aggressive and pushing the ball into the end zone. Um, maybe that's a, t- a tall target to kind of throw a jump ball up to or, you know, someone that can move the chains, you know, in a key situation. But uh, the production wasn't there. I thought Darius Clemens looked fine. Uh, I thought that he played fairly well. The production wasn't there. Like you said, Frederick Moore. Samaj Morgan got a little bit, little bit of run. Didn't really see a ton of Cornelius Johnson or uh, Roman Wilson, but hey, I mean, I just like that. Uh, you know, you're in a position now where you have these walk-on guys that are not only earning scholarships but pushing guys for jobs. You know, Davis Warren making a push for the backup quarterback job. Peyton O'Leary pushing for some snaps at wide receiver. We've seen this before. So um, again, you know, what the role is is to be determined, but. Um, I was impressed with what we saw from those guys. Uh, Let's move over to the defense. I think by far to me, uh, the biggest takeaway was how deep uh, this defensive line looks again. I mean, they had the squad split pretty much evenly and you had guys on both sides that were still making plays. Didn't see a ton of Chris Jenkins or uh, trying to think who else, Mason Graham, but Josiah Stewart pretty much. Not really. Um, He he played a decent amount. He didn't do much though. Right. Okay. Played, yeah. So it seemed well, like he played the like the first three quarters ish or, or first half really? at least. Okay. And then they they turned it over to Keyshawn Bennett after that. But I think okay, maybe yeah. first half only. But he was in there. I I just didn't see a lot of him. Okay. I think it might. I mean, if you want to handicap the rotation, I mean, I think it might say a little bit of where that might be at right now too. Josiah Stewart has some work to do, but played the entire game. I thought was disruptive the entire game and made some guys who have started games at Michigan. Um, you know, kind of looks silly at times. He's a different type of pass rusher. He's only six, you know, he's six two, two thirty. Doesn't quite have the size, but uh, he is like I wrote as as freaky as they said he was. Uh, Derek Moore. There was a play where uh, he got into the backfield and almost <laughs> took down both the quarterback and running back at the same time. Um, you know, Kenneth Grant did some of the dirty work, but he's a guy who was pushing the pocket. That defensive line again. I mean, there's been a hype that it could be deeper and better than it was last year. Um, I don't know how much we can take from that, given how split up the offensive lines were and the guys that were out, but those edge guys look like they could be disruptive and be, you know, a, a threesome or a foursome that really kind of gets after it, maybe even a little bit more than last year. 
Yeah, Josiah did tell me that he was cl closing on 245 pounds. So he's put on some weight under Ben Herbert, uh, according to him. So wants to put on a little bit more. Certainly has not cost him a step, guys. He was all over the place, and I was impressed. I love his – you know what I love about him? I love his confidence. And he's like, man, you know, they said I wasn't supposed to be here. I wasn't supposed to be able to play in the Big Ten. You know, look at me now. I'm here to make an impact and to win championships. He seems like a great fit, uh, and he seems like a great kid, too. I had about seven minutes with him. Yeah. And uh, was blown away. So um, to me, Ernest Hausman, who should have Shane brought up, man. Uh, Shane, you're right. I, I don't know how they're going to keep him off the field, honestly. Just his instincts. Uh, I saw Nakai out there, Hill Green. And of course, again, Michael Barrett didn't. I don't think Michael Barrett played, did he? If very much. Yeah, he bit. did a little bit. Okay, but not much. But Hausman was out there more than it, as much as anybody and was making plays. This guy's a playmaker. And uh, so to me, Man, he's going to get some time. So, but the depth, guys, the, the, the all these guys that didn't play, and we're talking about guys that are out there making plays at a high level that are backups. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, Mason Graham wasn't out there a ton. Uh, he was out there a little bit. He's going to be your best interior defensive lineman. So that just speaks to the depth on this team was concerned about Amorian Walker. I think he's got a ways to go. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Mikey Sainris still probably at that other corner until other guys step up. But uh, at the same time, uh, guys like Zeke Barry were making plays at safety. Uh, I thought he he played pretty well, and that was even before his pick and a couple plays that he had there. You know, he's in the right spot. So um, these there are guys that are that are in position now where you're starting to see this depth come along, and um, it's it's a really nice thing to see. Yeah, I'll go with. I mean, I, I was about to say Ernest Hausman. I thought he was really really good. He led everybody with tackles. He had a forced fumble and a nice hit on Jack Tuttle. Uh, Jack, hang on to the ball, but Ernest, you know, great play. <laughs> Um, and, and talking to him afterwards as well, like he is not intimidated at all by the competition in the linebacker room. He said he's going to do everything he can control and, you know, put some pressure on the coaching staff to put him on the field. I think he's going to see the field. I think we're going to see probably this fall a, a three-man rotation with Junior Colson getting the most snaps, but Mike Barrett and Ernest Hausman being right there. Uh, and then there are guys behind them, you know, guys that like uh, Jimmy Rolder who, who got to play a little bit last year, which is, you know, I guess showed the lack of depth they had because he was a true freshman that had just got there in the summer. But Jimmy Rolder, uh, you know, Micah Pollard looks a little bit bigger. Jadon Hood, uh, you know, looks like, you know, he started for one of the teams. Looks like, you know, maybe he has uh, – he's a guy that we hadn't heard a ton about his first couple of years on campus, but maybe emerging a little bit. So there's a ton of depth there. But a couple of guys that you guys didn't mention yet is Rayshon Benny. I thought he played incredible. Um, pass rush against the run. Uh, had at least one TFL, I think. Uh, I can remember the one where he comes shooting, you know, flying out of nowhere into the backfield. Uh, so I think Rayshon Benny's a guy that people kind of forget a little bit about on the front line, but looked really good and I think could have a big fall. And then uh, an under the radar guy that I thought played well for his, you know, everyone's talking about Ben Hall. People are talking about Fred Moore and obviously Peyton O'Leary. But in terms of the early enrollees, Jair Hill, I thought looked pretty good out there. He looked like a natural. Uh, the play where Alex Orgy had that huge – he lowers his shoulder, uh, lays a huge hit on R.J. Moten. Uh, we saw those guys after the game, a TV broadcast showing them hugging it out, Orgy and Moten, so it's good that uh, there's no hard feelings about that hit. But Jair Hill, perfect uh, contain outside leverage there. He had a few plays like that where he doesn't let anybody get outside him in the run game. Uh, had an interception that got called back, but I thought Jair Hill – looked apart and if they potentially need to go that route this year at some point whether that's six games in 
whether that's from day one, I think he's a guy that would grow and, you know, by the end of the year be somebody who can who can make an impact here. But uh, Keon Saab, another guy I thought played well. Bazik Berry is another one, CB, that, uh, that really flashed to me. So all sorts of guys. But um, those are probably a few of the ones that I think people maybe aren't talking about as much. We didn't even mention Nikai Hill Green at linebacker, and he was back out there, and I thought he struggled in pass coverage a couple times. Uh, Hibner, I think, was – I think he was – one who he, that he beat on the long catch. So uh, you wonder what his role is coming back, right? Because two years ago that, that he was all the talk and uh, boy, he's right up there in athleticism with junior Colson. Uh, I'm not sure that he's running still the same that he was before his injury, which he would only call a soft tissue injury and wouldn't really go into detail. So going to be fascinating to see how that plays out, but they've got bodies guys. And it was like, uh, I asked Jesse Minter, he said, I said, what about the linebackers? He said, you know, last year we were, really kind of limited in the rotation. Now we've got this rotation and we've got the depth to move guys in and out. So lots of talent there. Yeah. Benny was the guy too. I did. Uh, I was watching the defensive line on Saturday. I did have him in my notes as being a standout. Um, yeah. They're super deep there. Uh, I'll just talk about a Morian Walker and I'll start with him for a second. Uh, I'm not too worried about it yet only because it was just a spring game. He's really only been playing corner full-time for whatever it's been, five, six weeks. Um, he's going to have time. Jesse Minter told us last week uh, they were kind of planning on working him in similarly to how they did Will Johnson last year, where just kind of gradually putting more on his plate. Um, but, yeah, it didn't look great. I mean, you never want to see a guy get, you know, with the sort of athleticism that they said he had, get cooked by a former walk-on and, and Peyton O'Leary earned his scholarship. I'll make no mistake about that, but uh, Walker did not have a very good day. Uh, but a couple of guys that I thought did Jade McBurrows is a guy who will come up and hit you. Uh, we'll see what he's, uh, what he does with, you know, he hasn't been healthy, but it's a guy who is, is going to come up and make a hit on you. Uh, at least in the run game, we'll see what his coverage looks like. Miles Pollard, I thought looked fairly decent uh, out there, like, but overall, I mean, like I said, I trust Steve Klinkscale. And developing these guys, a lot of them just need to play and need those reps more. And, you know, I, I figured we'd see a Maureen Walker for almost all that game. And, you know, now you know where he's at. Uh, and I'm sure that they've seen, you know, good days out of him in practice, bad days. And that's just the how frenetic, you know, being so new at a position can be. So uh, not too worried about that. We'll see. Uh, I know the transfer portal window will open on May 1st and run through May 15th. So, We'll see who goes into the portal, uh, if there are any options of guys that Michigan might want to dip into there. But, uh, you know, I liked what I saw out of Jaden McBurrows and, and Jair Hill and Cameron Calhoun got out there a little bit. So, you know, for me, it's it, it's another year where the schedule is a little more difficult with some of those road trips in the middle of the season. But uh, like Minter said last week, you just want, you know, you want those guys to be ready for those games in November. They don't need to be at optimal performance when you play East Carolina, but they damn well better be up to speed when you play Ohio State. I thought really McBurrows was probably the best of the other corners um, that we saw. and uh, But I still think you're going to see Sainer still playing a lot there, uh, especially early in the Big Ten season. And with maybe Rod Moore coming down to nickel like they were talking about. So especially if Zeke Berry can play the way he played or some of these other guys in the secondary. So, um, But they're starting to trust more guys, as you can tell. And they've got experience back there. R.J. Moten's a guy we never even really talk about anymore, but he's played a lot of football. So a lot of bodies, guys. And um, to me, yeah, yeah, I think McBurrows, that was a good observation, Anthony. And that's something that we're going to be writing about uh, tomorrow morning, as a matter of fact, after reviewing the film. So uh, they have options. It's, I'm, like, I'm happy for McBurrows. 
Burroughs coming back from that injury. Some guys can't get it back, but he certainly looked confident out there. I liked what I saw. Anthony, you mentioned he'll come up and hit you. It's funny, the TV broadcast, they were talking about, about uh, you know, how, okay, the corners are playing off here. We'll see if they go something short. They throw a little screen pass out uh, to the guy who was playing slot. I can't remember who it was. And Jaden McBurrows is shot out of a cannon uh, and makes that play, and it looked really impressive. So I agree. He was he was definitely the best out of the corners, I thought, on Saturday. Uh, Mike Sanders still played a little bit of corner, played mostly nickel when he was in there. But a guy who could be a potential factor in that puzzle uh, is Cody Jones, who I thought – and I thought this last year too when he was in a little bit at some of the end of games. I think the Hawaii game, he played pretty well. But is he looks like a natural – Just he's just a straight nickel. Like, you know, and, and that's important to have a guy like that. I think Mikey's pretty similar, although he could play corner. But he, he looks similar and moves similarly uh, to Mike Sainer still. So Cody Jones is a guy that people don't really ever talk about, but – I thought he played pretty well and, uh, you know, could be a guy that maybe you don't have to move Rod Moore to the nickel if Mikey plays out wide. But then you have the three-man rotation of Makari Page, R.J. Moten, Rod Moore. They got a lot of guys back there at kind of safety, nickel, uh, that sort of thing. I think they're just looking for the corners to step up. And it's interesting. I was thinking about this, too. We played buy or sell last week. And, Anthony, you posed the question of is the – starting corner other than Will Johnson on the roster right now. And I think we all bought it. And we talked a lot about Amorian Walker. Well, it might be one of those other guys, miles Pollard, Pollard had interception. He doesn't necessarily jump off the, off the screen when you're, when you're watching him physically, but he baited that, uh, that whoever threw that pick, um, I think it might've been Davis Warren uh, uh-huh. into throwing that ball as well. So he's a guy that has really good technique has a good frame uh, and could be a factor there too. So I think they're, I think the guys on the roster, I'll, I'll be interested to see what they do in the transfer portal. Uh, I just don't know that it's necessarily going to be a Moron Walker. I wouldn't rule it out. It's still early. It's still spring, but I think he needs to play a little stronger out there. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where things go. But they got plenty of options in the defensive backfield, and it's easy to trust Clink to kind of piece them all together. Yeah, to me, it's a it's important to to note with a Morian Walker too that he's only a sophomore. Like this uh-huh. is like, even if he plays his, you know, as his, the best football he could possibly play this year, he still has at least one more year at Michigan. So this is, you know, it's a long-term play for him in terms of where they think his best position could ultimately be at. Um, you know, if the traits and, and the acumen and the play all come together, then maybe he is your number two cornerback this year. But um, you know, you would think that with, the guys they have on the roster and maybe Mike Sainer still is the key to all this, because if you have a guy like him who can, you know, flex out and play, you know, boundary corner, you know, versatility. Uh, I think there's a couple of guys that could probably do that on this roster. So versatility is key. I think that McBurrows can play on the boundary. I think he can play a little bit in the slot. Uh, some of those safeties I think can slide down and play the nickel. And, you know, that's where I, I think, they might be able to do a little bit schematically uh, with these guys to cover up what, what might be uh, I mean, it's, it's, it looks like the cornerback, you know, outside of Will Johnson, maybe he makes up for a lot of this stuff when he's on the field, but um, when it comes to number one and number two cornerback, maybe you, it's just a little, little bit of a step down from last year, but that just means you have to improve on the margins and you have options and things like that. So uh, want to put a bow on spring game talk, any other lingering takeaways that we haven't hit on yet? Uh, Tommy Doan's got to get his extra points up. 
uh, a little higher than the 20 feet on the two, but looks to me like he could have a legit shot of handling all the kicking duties, fellas, uh, which is interesting to me. Adam Samaha is going to be here in the fall, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, maybe he'll help him with the kickoffs. But I think kicker and punter, I think Tommy Doman might be your guy. Yeah, and the one that I thought he may have missed in, in the moment, again, we're in the press box, so like it's hard to see. I always just watch the crowd usually during a normal game. Yeah to see if a guy makes or misses a kick. But that one looked like it missed, and I think that was the one to tie it up uh, at one point, maybe 14-14 or something like that. Um, so I thought that was – but, you know, he made it. So I guess he's got to improve there. But we'll see what he does, with what Adam Samaha will add. Um, yeah, not, nothing much uh, from the spring game. I thought, uh, you know, we pretty much hit on everything. And now it's, uh, you know, getting guys healthy, getting into uh, the summer cycle, as they call it, and pushing towards fall camp. Yeah, real quick before we do uh, talk about our friends over at Rogue Shop, Theodore Dodge says, nice to hear Sharon Moore, Minter, and Herbert signed to do three-year contracts. Uh, Moore and Minter actually signed three-year deals, and Herbert signed a five-year deal, which I believe makes him the second, it was in the article, the second uh, strength coach in the country to make over a million dollars or a million dollars or more per year. And that, that investment is critical. Uh, of course, we've seen how important that has been to Michigan the last few seasons. We have a $1.99 super chat from Noel Soto who asks, when is Jim Harbaugh getting his extension? Uh, I assume we're still in a holding pattern on that, but Chris, you've, you've kind of been yeah. around with that. Yeah, no, I uh, actually spoke to somebody about this about four days ago, and they said negotiations are ongoing with the NCAA in terms of, you know, what is is Jim Harbaugh even going to get a one-game suspension next year for Burgergate, which is stupid. Um, but the good news is two things about this. Number one, they didn't wait for the assistance, right? They got their money, and everybody was like, are, they all, are these all combined? Nope. They got these assistants signed, and they got them their money, and they got Ben Herbert his money. But, yeah, they are still negotiating back and forth, the Michigan's lawyers and the NCAA's lawyers, about just how important buying a burger for a committed recruit during a dead period might be. Is it a game? Is it a no games? Is it a slap on the wrist? Who knows? But it blows my mind that all, all these – you know, all these newspapers are breaking this and, and people said, oh, my God, it's a major violation. I'm like, no, that's bullshit. Let's be honest. All right. Well, yeah. I think that's a good place. Clay, you got something on that? I was just going to say they, they'd be wise to get it done by January, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be. I don't know if we, what would that would that be four years in a row for this whole. Uh, yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> One of them was on the Michigan side, I would say. Yeah. Well, let's just not pull that thread. Yep. Let's not even put that energy out of the universe. Exactly. We need good energy. Uh, we need good vibes, which is why, perfect segue here, it's time to talk about our friends over at Rogue Shop. Uh, of course, you guys know about Richard and Charmaine at this point. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, or anxiety, or stress, which – that always follows me. I can only speak for myself, but uh, Rogue Shop might have the product for you. Of course, you can use promo code Wolverine for 10% off over at RogueShop.com. Uh, Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, and so much more. They handcraft all of their own stuff, uh, the topicals, the soaps, the candles, the bath salts, the massage oils, tinctures. All of it is grown with their own cannabis in their own manufacturing facility. All of it is made, of course, like I said, with their own cannabis. The website has a 24-7 uh, chat function 
where customers can ask anything. Uh, we've been singing their praises for months, going back to the start of last football season. Whatever package you get, they will send you a handwritten note uh, in your care package. So be sure to uh, step up to the plate and get in on some of that. All of it's custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, and plant materials. Uh, Rogue Shop is America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. Uh, we love working with them. They're a true small business operating out, of, operating out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, of course, in Big Ten country. They're disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, and woman-owned. Uh, they only have five employees, so uh, very much kind of a grassroots uh, type of company. Uh, visit rogueshop.com. Uh, that's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. And uh, I don't know, you fellas have anything to add? I feel like every week we come on here and – Scream for the mopping tops, how much we love them. Same thing as the uh, the edibles there with the, the Willy Wonka looking edibles there. I have laughs and gobstoppers, my thing now. So I've never slept better, fellas, and this is the honest to God truth. So uh, very, very grateful. Yeah, great people, great product. It doesn't get much better than that. All right, that's promo code the Wolverine over at rogueshop.com. Uh, jump on board today. All right, uh, some uh, some of the more negative news now. Spring football is kind of, you know, we always talk about Michigan's a football school. Uh, all of the momentum is with the football program right now. All of the momentum has been sucked out of the men's basketball program with another kind of down week uh, for news. Uh, they continue to expand the board in the transfer portal, but news dropped third. It was Friday afternoon, uh, kind of out of nowhere, uh, that Hunter Dickinson has entered the transfer portal. Uh, still hearing from a lot of teams. Nothing really to report as of Monday, but it appears his time at Michigan is over. Kobe Bufkin came out on Sunday and declared for the NBA draft with, you know, a statement that ended with the words buff out, which seems to kind of, I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. That seems a pretty emphatic way to say you will not be exploring a return to Michigan. Um, so now we're looking at a Michigan team heading into the off season that has no Jet Howard, no Hunter Dickinson, no Kobe Bufkin, and I don't know where the points on this roster are coming from next year. And to be honest with you, the points are probably coming from guys that aren't on the roster right now. Uh, it has been a wild, wild few days. Um, you know, Michigan has needed kind of some all hands on deck momentum to get themselves headed back in the right direction, but it's only continued to go backwards since missing out on the NCAA tournament. And I guess we'll start with Dickinson. Um, our reactions on, on what happened with that. I mean, Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, that was it was a good day on Friday. Jaden Davis commits. Brandon Narado gets the interim tag pulled off of him, but sandwiched in between uh, maybe one of the most shocking, the most shocking transfer portal move that maybe college basketball's ever seen. The weird part, okay, so Thursday we get a text, right, from one of our, actually, subscriber who's a great source of information, who knows people uh, that were close to Hunter Dickinson and said, Look, these next 24 hours are going to be huge. Hunter is literally seriously considering, you know, his, some of his former teammates were trying to get them to get him to join them at maybe their schools and saying, I'll stay here if you come and maybe we can go here. Maybe the three of us can go here type thing. And, you know, which is actually kind of tampering, I guess. I don't know if it is when the players talk about it or whatever, but uh, maybe these are just friends talking. But so I approached somebody who's about as close to it as you can get right on the Michigan side of things, who says not true, you know, okay, not true. I'm like, all right, good deal. Well, then I get more texts with, I mean, we're talking details here about who he's talking to and 
maybe some of his former coaches, you know, saying things. So I actually sent the, the thread uh, to our source. And again, it got back, not true. And I'm like, all right, well, it's good. And then we start talking about, you know what, um, kids want to come to Michigan to play with Hunter and they're out recruiting these guys and stuff like that, you know, with a notion that, hey, maybe you'll be playing with one of the best centers in the country. And then two hours later, he's gone. So first of all, Shame on Hunter if he didn't talk to his coaches before. If they if they were truly that in the dark about it, and it certainly sounds like they were, guys, by all the reaction that we're seeing. Um, come on, man. Be better than that. You're Michigan captain. They deserved better than that, if that's the case. And and I can't – you know what? Again, we haven't we, – nobody's come right out and said, yeah, Hunter you know, lied or Hunter didn't do this or Hunter wasn't that. All, that's all we've heard behind the scenes. So I hope that's not the case because that's not the way I want to remember Hunter Dickinson, right? But then when you get Kobe Bufkin – uh, you know, the night before the final four, I get a text from somebody who just talked to him that night. I just got off the phone with Kobe Bufkin, you know, he's torn, you know, this and that. And, and, you know, so they're kind of excited. Maybe he's going to stay. And so we put up the next morning and then literally 15 minutes later, Clay is writing the story with this huge long thing written out that he's gone. I'm like, where's the transparency here, guys? It's fine if you want to leave, but help these guys prepare a little bit. Last year was Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston going right down to the wire before announcing. That does not leave your coaches very much time. You got to think, I understand about the next level, but guys, you still have to think about what you're leaving behind too. And there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And I've never been more unsure about anything when it comes to what's going on in the Michigan basketball program right now, fellas. It's just weird. The vibe is weird. Uh, I can't get a pulse on whether they're going to win or lose. Sometimes I think for sure they're going to lose. They go out and win. I thought for sure they were going to play their butts off in the Rutgers game and win that game and get into the tournament. But something's just wrong. The karma in this program right now is off. That needs to be corrected. But sometimes it happens when you least expect it. You know what? Like look at last year, some of the, the programs that went to the transfer portal and really improved because of it. Penn State, Kansas State, Xavier. So here's hoping it happens for Juwan Howard because he deserves a little bit of good luck and good news right now. Yeah, with saying all that, I thought Kobe Bufkin had a, a classy statement and obviously appreciates his time at Michigan. Hunter Dickinson, on the other hand, no statement. Uh, Anthony and I, I think uh, – not wasted our time, maybe wasted our time listening to his podcast today. And I don't even think he said the word Michigan or mentioned anything about the reason why he transferred. So we don't really know, right? I would speculate that it's about two things. One, does he trust the roster on this team that's coming back to try to come back and win? He's been on some really good rosters here. He's also been on a couple where, you know, frankly, he had to carry the team at times. Uh, And another thing is, this guy's probably not going to have an NBA career, you know, as much as, you know, I'm a fan of Hunter Dickinson, uh, but he can maximize what he gets during his college career. And as soon as you hit that portal, you, your value goes way up because, you know, teams for whatever reason, there's just not that desperation to keep guys around as much in terms of quote unquote NIL, what people are calling that now. Um, So I think those are basically the two big factors for Hunter Dickinson, but we, don't know I don't know if we ever will know or if we'll ever hear uh, a thank you with that sort of thing you see it with Caleb Love you know he he has a great career at North Carolina leads them to the national title game last year and he decides to leave those are the top two players right now on the transfer portal on on three he has a huge thank you note to North Carolina uh, and all we all know and those of us that have been paying attention the drama that was going on behind the scenes at North Carolina but he still has a classy exit so I, I was surprised that Hunter went about it that way uh in terms of what's left uh talking to will cheddar on saturday uh you know he basically said that we all got to look in the mirror now we have to reestablish our culture 
and the guys that are staying, uh, you know, we have to, it's going to be on us to turn this thing around. It's also going to be on Juwan Howard and his staff to recruit in the transfer portal. You lose a, a fantastic player in Hunter Dickinson to the portal. Now it's on, you know, their efforts in the portal to try to make, uh, you know, make up some of that production. You lose your top three scores. It's going to be extremely challenging. Um, it does seem like Jalen Llewellyn's going to come back. It seems like, uh, you know, Namari Burnett can, can, can contribute. Uh, but beyond that, you're going to need some impact players, namely at the, at the four, um, you know, maybe at the two, uh, and maybe even at the five as well, depending on how much you trust Terrace Reed and Papa Conte coming in. So there's a lot of work to be done for Jawan Howard and his staff. Uh, I will advise them on one thing. Max Acemas just hit the transfer portal. Uh, I know he's more of a one and you have Doug, but uh, you go after him, you call him. I think he's going to get contacted by probably 100 schools, um, and Michigan should be one of them. But, yeah, it's uh, it's not a great time right now for the Michigan basketball program. I've addressed this a few times on our board. I did a couple radio hits earlier today. Um, so I, I've had time to kind of carefully craft my words because as of Friday it was – perhaps expletive laden with a lot of questions, but let me say this first and foremost. Um, and, and to me, for the most part, it's been, it's been clear the last two years is, is that Hunter Dickinson's biggest fan is Hunter Dickinson and Hunter Dickinson is going to do what Hunter Dickinson is going to do. And no one is really going to stop him for that. Now, for me, I don't have an issue with him leaving for the reasons that we speculated wants to win a national title. Uh, he wants to, you know, he knows that that window of making money playing basketball is probably very limited. It's probably limited the next year or so. I think uh, – would his freshman year count as a COVID year, Clay? Yep. He's got two more years so of eligibility. He, I think he could make money overseas for sure, though. He could, sure. Um, but I'm, in terms of being in the national spotlight at home um, – he's going to be known as a college basketball player. No one's going to, you know, unless you're a degenerate gambler, you're not going to stay up till four o'clock in the morning and watch him play in Lithuania. So for me, it's play. I think there was a lot of disrespect in the way that this has all gone down. I mean, I know that it's still Lent and he said he gave up Twitter and social media for Lent. Um, but for someone who's never been shy to fire off a shot or put himself out there, put his face on something, put his face to a message to do it through his podcast co-host and through national media, I think is weak. And at least here now that I, I think that it seems like no one at Michigan outside of maybe whoever is in charge of filing the transfer portal paperwork knew this was coming. He fired it off. He saw that he was in the portal and he immediately texted Marty Mush to, that he could put it out there. That's wrong. And it will, to me, it does affect his legacy at Michigan. Now at some point I'm sure he'll, come out and address it. I don't know if there was bad blood there, but um, the, the dis it is disrespectful and, and anyone at, at Michigan who feels slighted by it, I don't blame you again. I can get on board with the idea that he, you know, that he might have a more prosperous basketball future playing somewhere else. I think that's clear. I think that this decision says a lot about both parties, both the state of Michigan's roster and where his priorities are. Um but I said it at the end of the season uh, before they even you know, accepted a, a bid to the NIT. It's going to take everyone in that program to turn this thing back around. And if you have one foot out the door, you may as well have two. So I, I do think there is a path to where this can be the hard because it's going to it was going to take a hard reset. And, and now it's a roster reset. We'll see if they make any changes to their process at all. But uh, 
it's going to be all new blood in there. And, and I, I still trust the future of Doug McDaniel. I think that Terrace Reed with another year in the lab has a bright future. Um, you know, Yusef Kayat was a guy that played pro basketball overseas, though, you know, maybe not, a, you know, as top tier league or, or a level that some other guys like Franz Wagner did. But that's a guy who could have a big leap. So I'm not going to sit here and say that this is, you know, this is great for Michigan, that this is the, the fresh start that everyone needs. Right now, I mean, they are closer to asking themselves if they are on par with a Nebraska or a Minnesota than they are with a Purdue or Michigan State when you look at what those rosters could be like next year. And, you know, the problem with it, too, is in the transfer portal, you, you could you really use a player the caliber of Hunter Dickinson or maybe two of them, and one of them just left your program, and two more of them are in the NBA draft. So I don't know where it goes from here. It's kind of impossible to speculate um, – on what this roster will look like. They, they have a pretty big roster, uh, b- pretty big transfer board at the moment. They're in on a lot of guys, but uh, it's bleak. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it in my opinion. Yeah. And in two weeks, maybe it's not, maybe they just land like three or four of these guys and they put together a super transfer team. So you don't know, you don't want to overreact. There was also a report out there. So didn't some Maryland writers say, don't just don't count out the chance that Hunter Dickinson comes back to Michigan. <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't see that one happening. Uh, there was a report out there that he might end up at Maryland. And if he does that, then he's going to be one of the most hated Michigan basketball players of all time. You want to, can you even imagine going and playing at Maryland after everything, you know, the bad blood between those two programs in large part because of him, uh, that would be unprecedented and ridiculous. So, but those are what ifs guys. Uh, I can say that Hunter Dickinson was always good with us in the media when we dealt with him. Um, I, he was gave good, honest, fair answers and you could tell it mattered to him. I thought he got a bad rap a lot of the times about what was, uh, you know, how hard he was playing or whatever. Uh, maybe early on in the year, you know, first half of the year. Okay. There might've been a few games where you could have gotten more from him, but, uh, overall I thought he gave us all for the program. So, uh, unfortunate if he sullied his legacy and that's the way he's going to go out. Yeah. I mean, these are all things that are going to get intertwined, but to me for right now, I'm trying to separate the. One thing being Hunter Dickinson's career. The second thing being Hunter Dickinson's decision to enter, enter the transfer portal, which I, I agree, Anthony. It's like it's one of those things, don't hate the player, hate the game. You know, this is what college basketball has become. I'm frustrated with it. Um, I can't imagine what these coaches are dealing with, having to manage the rosters like this. Um, the third thing is the way Hunter Dickinson did it, which I, I think I agree. I mean, disrespect would be uh, a word to describe it. There are people he's close with in that program that didn't know flat out that he was doing that. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something that's, uh, you know, also happening there. If he goes to Maryland, which a, a couple things, one, there was the bad blood. I think most of that was with Mark Turgeon uh, and his staff because they didn't recruit the DMV Hunter, uh, Hunter called them out for that. Kevin Willard there now. Um, so I think it's a little bit different. Also Maryland today just hired Mike Jones, former head coach at DeMatha who coached Hunter uh, as an assistant coach. Now for the Terps, uh, he was at Virginia Tech previously. So that's a connection. I wouldn't – I think I said a um, – or maybe I didn't say it because he wasn't in the in the portal yet. But uh, as soon as Ed Cooley went to Georgetown, I thought that was going to be a possibility if Hunter were to transfer. And then Maryland, you start to hear these whispers. His high school teammate, Jameer Young, uh, is there. And I think he's one of those guys that people are rumoring that wants to team up with some others from the DMV and team takeover. So maybe they're going to do their reunion tour. I don't know. Uh, but I do hope if Hunter Dickinson goes to Maryland, that the big 10 does the right thing and schedules a Michigan Maryland game at Chrysler, because 
Uh, I just want to see it. I just want to see it. But I, I do hope he goes outside of the Big Ten for Michigan's sake because that would feel like a, a slap in the face. Yeah, and the one final thing I would say is um, is that I completely lost my train of thought. I don't know where else to go with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I think I just, yeah, for me, I got it back. To me, I mean, the the added level of disrespect is the fact that, again, and I don't want to sound petty about the, the podcast thing. It's an NIL thing. Um, I have zero issues with him doing it throughout the year. It was kind of silly. Some of the statements hey, you, you have, make. You on have it, a podcast, AB. Come on, you have a podcast. You're. In the I business. do again. Game game recognizes game, but uh, <laughs> you know, to kind of just to not address it three days after the fact, uh, it just it just bothers me. Um, there are a lot of leadership things with him that you know, and that's the other thing too. And, and I think the point I was really going to come back to was. The fact that there were so many times at the end of the, you know, they'd win two games in a row, but they couldn't quite get that third or they'd win three games in a row and couldn't quite quite get that fourth. And he'd come out and, and he'd do these press conferences and you could see like every time that happened with every loss, there was like an added level of um, like you could hear this. You could, you could see that he was physically presently there, but in his head, you could hear that the sound of silence was playing and that something uh, he just seemed burned out. And I don't blame him for that, but yeah, I'll always kind of have an issue with how it went down. Um, so it is what it is at this point. Yep. That's pretty much sums it up. What's next. I think what's next is uh, get out of here a few minutes early and prep yep. ourselves for a national championship game. Uh, shout out to Brian Dutcher, of course, uh, could lead San Diego state to a national title this evening. No, Yukon uh, has just been destroying everyone. I have a hard time mm. thinking they won't, finish this thing off, but uh, we'll be pulling for San Diego state and Brian Dutcher, of course, uh, former Michigan assistant uh, with Steve Fisher way back in the day. Uh, so uh, appreciate everyone's time. Uh, as always, you can like this video, subscribe to the Wolverine or for more podcasts, analysis, a lot of stuff coming out of spring football, still basketball transfer portals fired up. It's uh, still on fire on the recruiting trail. We think there's some, still some big news coming. Uh, following the Jane Davis decision, uh, those guys will be back here on Tuesday and Wednesday night, the recruiting guys to discuss all that. So be sure to like the video, uh, subscribe to the channel, uh, leave us a review on uh, wherever you get your podcasts after the fact, leave us a, a kind review um, for Chris Ballas, for Clayton Safey. I'm Anthony Broom. Thank you guys so much for your time here on a Monday and we will talk to you again very soon. <laughs>